Joining us now is cooking show host, cookbook author, journalist, television producer, and food personality, Artie Sequera. Artie, I'm so happy to meet you. I am so happy to meet you. My goodness, it's amazing. Well, um, just thinking about this interview has already made me hungry. <laughs> so uh, th- this is this is uh, just fascinating to me. You you were a, a television producer, yeah. uh, a journalist, mm-hmm. and now you're uh, you're a professional cook, and you're teaching other people how to cook and yeah. doing cooking shows. And th- that's just a fascinating journey to me. Um, did you always have a love for food and want to be a chef? What was the dream? No, I mean I I've always loved food. Mm-hmm. I was a ten pound baby. God bless my mother. Um, So I've always loved food. I come from a family that um, is obsessed with food and marks life with food. Mm. And so that was always a huge part of who we were and what we did and a way that we also remembered where we came from because we're from India, a particular part of India in the Mm. South. Love Indian food. Yeah. Sambal and and eating with your hands. Yes. Yeah. It's It's a very sensual, like very using all your senses kind of eating, but it also kind of planted us where we were. And so we had moved to Dubai in the Middle East. And so eating that food and cooking that food was a way of remembering where we came from and keeping us connected to our family. But I wanted to be a journalist. You know, I grew up during the first Gulf War and I wanted to be Christian Amanpour and that's what I set my life out to do. And, um, and then, you know, and, and then, but God. <laughs> God, God enters in yeah. and all of a sudden you, you, make, yeah. you make a turn that you never expected. Yeah, I was really at a point where I was trying to pursue journalism, but nothing was happening. I wasn't getting the interviews. I wasn't getting the jobs. And so instead of, you know, I would watch TV and then get to a point where I was like, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to do something. Right. And I would just cook. I had the joy of cooking and I would pick a recipe out and I'd walk to the grocery store, which is unheard of in LA. I would walk to the store and go back home and just cook. And it was a place where I found peace and I found comfort. And it was a place where I could take like the chaos of a bunch of ingredients and turn it into something Mm. beautiful some of the time. You know, I was still learning. And that helped me so much. and, And that kind of opened up this whole new world for me. And then, and then a move to Los Angeles and meeting your husband were yeah. key ingredients yeah. in you becoming a professional cook, right? Yeah, I mean, we'd been together since college, since we were 18. So we've seen all my different eyebrow shapes, is what I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, you know, he's an actor, and so he really gets, like, being moved by something and wanting to spend your life doing it. Mm. And he saw the way that cooking and food was taking me over. It was lighting something up in me the way the journalism hadn't back in school. So he got me a gift certificate to a cooking school and that started it all. And so you took cooking lessons. Yep, I took cooking lessons. And and what was it about this newfound uh, talent and love for food that that really said, I'm going to make this shift away from journalism. I'm going to do this. You know, Um, My mentor at journalism school had said to me, if the fire for this profession goes out, you should not do it because Mm. it's a calling, right? It's a craft and it's a trade and you need to be doing it for the right reasons. And I saw that dying in me. And then this cooking just gave me so much joy. It rescued me because it does, too, you know, particularly bacon. Just gives me so much joy. <laughs> For me, it's coffee, so I get it. Yeah, that too. And right? together, they're fantastic. Well, and the thing I love about it, yes. And the thing I love about it is, just like when we were talking before we started, you know, this interview, we can talk about all the different foods that we love. You and I could disagree on 7,000 billion things. But when we start talking about food, something melts, right, between yeah. us, and we connect on that. And that, to me, is the joy and the power of food. 
See, you've got you've got me hungry. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm distracted by thoughts of of uh, lunch and and, yeah. and and dinner. <clears throat> so, do you ever feel like your love for food and the direction that you're taking sort of dis to, um, it derailed your dreams of becoming a journalist, or do you mm -hmm. find that God's brought them together in some magical, mystical kind of way? I'm waiting. I feel like God has a great denouement, right, where he's going to pull them together for me. The difficulty of that period when I had moved to L.A. and I wasn't working is that I felt worthless. And I felt like I had no purpose anymore because I had put so much of my identity in being a journalist. And so cooking felt very frivolous compared to the heady importance of being a journalist, you know. Mm. And I felt like I'd let my family down. They got me to college, all of those things. Um, and yet what I have had the privilege of, of experiencing is that I've been able to touch so many more people through cooking. I'm able to speak more directly into people's lives mm. through cooking than I ever could as a producer in, in the newsroom. Wow, isn't that in yeah. interesting? It's I, I really found beautiful. that the best things that ever happened in my life were not things that I had planned and strategized for. I had all of those plans, mm -hmm. but God enters in mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I, I, I become a Christian. Yeah. I was an atheist. Yeah. I meet my wife uh, on the set of Growing Pains. Yeah. What are the chances that two Hollywood actors are going to meet and have a solid marriage yeah. rooted in eternal truth? And, and all of the best things that have happened have always been um, maybe things that were never on the radar. Yeah. And here I see God weaving together yeah. your producing gifts and uh, your love for journalism with your love for food. And now you're a professional cook and you're actually having huge influence in people's lives, yeah. maybe more than you would have uh, as a journalist yeah, a in billion your earlier times years. More. Yeah, a billion times more. It's been beautiful. So you also went on to win uh, the next Food Network star. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was that journey like? I mean, were, was it nerve-wracking? It was nervous? horrible, Kirk. It was horrible because I felt so insecure. I hadn't gone to a big fancy cooking school. I hadn't worked right. at restaurants on the line for years. You know, I just came in with what I knew. And so I was very comfortable in front of the camera because I'd always wanted to be a reporter. But the cooking part was so hard for me. And you weren't allowed to bring any media in no books, no cookbooks, no notebooks, no nothing, but I brought my Bible. And I didn't necessarily crack it every day, but the fact that it was there on my bed every day reminded mm. me who was really the executive producer of this whole thing. Oh, I right? love that. So even if I lost, even if I was humiliated, even if it was horrible, I was like, this is from God and he's the author of this whole journey, so I just have to hang on. What was your journey um, like becoming a Christian? So I grew up, the, the community I'm from in India is Catholic. It was part of the Portuguese empire. And so Sequera is the name apparently of the priest that converted us. Um, but it was always sort of theoretical. It wasn't in my heart. And in, after we got married, my husband and I started going to church. And that was when I really heard the gospel properly mm. for the first time, because I I did not understand this concept of grace. I did not understand why Jesus had to die. I didn't understand what it had to do with me. I didn't get it. Um, and then there was one day I was at a vineyard, so there's a lot of worship. And um, I was sitting near the front, because I'm a good student. And yeah. <laughs> I was in the middle of worship and I love to sing. And something in me was like, shh. And I was like, okay. And I closed my eyes and I bowed my head and I felt I saw a set of eyes and they were amber and fiery 
but loving and kind and compassionate. And I felt two hands. It felt like a, a weight on my shoulders. And it was like there was a man standing in front of me with his hands on my shoulders, looking deep into my eyes, going, I know everything about you. And I still love you. I, I see you head to toe. And I love you. And that was it for me. You know, I didn't, mm. I still get like choked up about it because who am I for him to see me and know me and love me, you know? Yeah. And it was so beautiful. And I remember I got baptized a couple months ago and I still didn't even know what I was doing. You know, I didn't even, I hadn't read the Bible. I didn't, but it just took me over and it is my BC and after Christ. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. this is, the, I have, this is my life now. Wow. What has food and cooking taught you about God? Jesus specifically used food so often and breaking bread so often to teach people about himself and about the kingdom and to reveal things to people. Um, and so I believe that every time we break bread with people, we're touching that a little bit, mm. right? Like we're using that same strategy. Like you can talk to people in parables or you could invite them over for dinner. And to me, I've just been able to have really wonderful, honest conversations with people around the table. Um, and when I've made the food for them, it's almost like I'm taking the intimacy of my heart and I'm putting it on the table. And then somehow it's going into your mouth and your body and down to your heart too. It's very intimate. I often find that I get to five o'clock when I have to start making dinner and I'm a total mess. And the thing that I started doing was praying before I cook. We pray before we eat, but I pray before I cook because I'm like, I know I'm coming to this moment and I could just blow through this and be really harried and ungrateful and everything. When I pray, everything that I need, I find in that moment when I'm cooking. That's good. Yeah. And, and you're praying like, Lord, do not let me oversalt yes. this chicken. Yes. Oh, a thousand percent. It's like, Lord... I invite you into this kitchen with me. Do please let it taste good. Please that's, that's <laughs> let right. it turn out good. Yeah, that's right. And you've had some incredible opportunities uh, cooking on TV shows, authoring cookbooks, yeah. uh, teaching celebrities like Selena Gomez and oh, yeah. um, Ludacris, yeah. um, judging food competitions. Yeah. What are some of these uh, wild, unexpected twists and turns and and roller coaster rides? you've had? I mean, it's really been so wild. I mean, even the, the Selena Gomez one was, um, I was really excited to be asked to do it. And then it turned into not only are you going to teach Selena Gomez how to make a dish, you're actually going to teach her to do an entire Thanksgiving spread. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's going to be its own standalone episode. And I was like, Lord, what in the world? Everybody else is doing one dish. I have to do turkey, sweet potatoes, stuffing, cranberry sauce, beans, all of those. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing that I, I wanted most out of that experience was to be able to connect with her. It's what I want always is to connect with people. And we had a moment, I don't know if it made the show, where we talked about faith. You know, and she told me her favorite Bible verse and I told her my favorite Bible verse. That's because we were cooking together. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. I think it drops the veil. When we come back, I'm going to ask Artie to share with all of us how we can use food to build community in our homes. Let's talk about the power of breaking bread with those in our lives right after this.
We're back with Artie Sequera, and we're talking about uh, the joy of cooking and <laughs> the gift of food. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that you see food and cooking uh, as something that helps you to connect with people yeah. and build community. Yeah. You said that that's really what I'm trying to do yeah. when I give someone something yeah. that has come out of my imagination or a recipe. I create it and I give it to, and it goes in their mouth and into mm -hmm. their body, into their heart, mm -hmm. uh, from your heart to theirs. Yeah. How do you help? make that connection with your kids. When the kids are like, mom, I don't want that again for dinner. Yeah. How do you encourage your kids maybe to be part of what you're doing in the kitchen yeah. and oh, use yeah. that as an opportunity to connect with them? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I, I love about food and, and especially because I love exploring food from different cultures, right? Like I'm such a mishmash of cultures. I've got Indian, I've got Middle Eastern, I've got this English accent I'm here in America is that I've learned that, say for example, an empanada, right? It's stuffed dough that's fried. In practically every culture in the world, there's a version of that. There's, there's a version of Yes, yeah, samosas, Cornish pasties, even a spring roll, things like that. And to me, <laughs> that tells me that God said, hey, take that dough, stuff it, and fry it. It's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that kind of, our dad was like inspiring all the recipes that we're doing. So I love to put that into what we're doing in the kitchen. I pull the girls in and I'm like, feel it. Look at what happens when you crack the egg. Did you know there was a yolk in there? You know, that there's so much magic and mystery and joy when we slow down. And, you know, when you're cooking, whether it's clams or carrots, God made those things. So we're touching them, we're mm. feeling them, we're experiencing them. When we can give it 100% of our attention, it's such a magical experience. So mm. I kind of pull them in that way. And then I also have shown my children a lot of things about, hey, when you eat the food, this is where it goes in your body. And when you eat protein, it gives you muscles. Or when you eat fat, you know, it makes you feel full or things like that. And that has helped them understand that sometimes you eat for joy and sometimes you eat for function. And they're right. both really necessary in our lives. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. That's great. And isn't it great that butter and cream and eggs and bacon are coming back? <laughs> because the doctors yeah. have always told us for so long, you know, low fat, no fat, I know. no, 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 uh, no eggs, uh, yeah. cholesterol. And now they're coming back. They I say, know. actually, they're good for you. There's yeah. actually nutrients in those yolks. And actually oils, uh, we're deficient in the right kinds of oils. So yes. like, get that grass-fed beef yep. and eat the skin of the chicken. Oh, well, you know, my <laughs> husband uh, is on the carnivore diet because he has a condition. And so he eats beef tallow. He eats organs like liver and kidneys and spleen and things like that oh. because they're so full of nutrients. Yeah. Um, we've moved so far away from eating nose to tail, right? It's kind of come back in fashion. Nose to tail. Nose to tail, hoof to, to whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, again, it's appreciating the entirety of what God has made. So I planted a garden for the first time this year and we have two raised beds and I'm growing sunflowers and I've got the kids involved in that too because... Listen, we put a little bit of effort in. There's that great verse, right, that Paul talks about, like he plants the seed and Apollo waters it or whatever, mm -hmm. I can't remember. Right. But God's the one that causes the growth. So we do all of this work and then we just sit back and every day we go and look and we see if it comes out. And it's just this constant reminder. And then of like, Satan sends those little creatures called <laughs> gophers yes. that, that burrow up underneath and yes. Pull your nice little plants right Oh my right gosh, it is driving me crazy. We've got a couple of rabbits that are coming in for my tomatoes and I'm really upset with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> do, do you think that um, just like practice makes perfect, if we become more confident in our cooking, 
that will actually enjoy it and want to do it more? Yeah, I, so, you know, um, a long time ago, I was reading a book about like Ayurvedic medicine, right? And one of the things they were saying is, um, it's not just about what you eat, but it's how you come to that process. So I think people sometimes go, oh, I got to chop all these onions. I got to chop all this garlic. I got to right. do all of this. And they were saying, no, see that as medicine. That's medicine. If you can stop and you can get into the, the quiet that happens when you're just going like this. You know, I'm, I, I take shortcuts. I see. Not, not just the food, but yeah, the process the of process cooking. The process of it is, is, is meditative. Is, yes. I watch, you know, vid- videos on YouTube of people cooking outside. Yeah. And it's quiet. And it's, you know, it's why we barbecue. And there, there's something about that that's very restorative to yeah. us. We're meant to be, I think, much more connected to the seasons and what we eat and that whole process of being outside. Um, And so I'm trying to pull that into the kitchen and trying to encourage people, hey, there's medicine in cooking. And it's not just the food that you're you're eating. It's the process. I love that. Mm -hmm. And and I felt that. I've experienced that. Mm -hmm. I love making specific dishes. So what are you most known for? Well, so the thing that my girls probably look forward to the most is making chapatis, which are these flatbreads, almost like tortillas. Yeah. Um, And they will bring out their little Play-Doh rollers and I'll do mine. And it's a tradition that I remember doing with my mom and she remembers doing with her mom. And so I love that we're Mm. passing this down generation to generation. They just love that. What are they called? Chapati. Chapati. Yeah. So roti, paratha, chapati. It's all these little... Paratha. That's what it is. I get that at Trader Joe's and they're amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you cook those up in the pan and the little butter. Yeah. But again, it's that process of taking the dough, making it into a bowl, flattening it out, rolling it out, frying it on the on the griddle. That's all. That's what they love. They love to eat it at the end. But spending time together doing it, that's that's the thing they look forward to the most. So in your mind, tell me, what what are some of the must do's when it comes to uh, having people over to your house mm-hmm. to share a meal with them. I mean, does the house have to be spotless? No. Does this have to be a big ordeal before no. you invite anybody over to the house? No. In fact, you know, I'm going home tomorrow and we have a family coming over on Sunday after church. And I don't have time to go and get all these ingredients and cook all of these things. So I'm going to get a couple of rotisserie chickens and do some vera and stuff. The idea is you're saying, come and sit at the table. And so I make sure that there's music playing. I make sure I say hi to them when they walk in the door, come in and make them feel welcome. I show them where the glasses are so they can get themselves a drink. I want them to feel like this is Mm. your home for the next couple of hours. You know what I mean? You don't have to ask me for anything. This is where it all is. Make yourself at home. Take your shoes off. Put your feet on the couch. It's all, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. So, so when you read the Bible now, Mm -hmm. um, and there's so much mention of food throughout the Bible. Yeah. Do, do you come up with recipes for, for reading the Bible? You're like, I'm going to use mustard seeds like nobody's business. Oh my gosh, that's exactly business. what I'm doing right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm coming up with a mustard seed, like pickled mustard seed recipe. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's things like that. But I, you know, I also think about like one of the most touching stories to me in the Bible is when uh, David invites, is it Saul's son, who may have had like a physical handicap and thought that you know, my father wanted to kill this man and now he's the king, so I'm damned. And David invites him to the table to sit with him. Mm. And it was this great leveling of the playing field and this great moment of forgiveness and clearing wow. of all debt. And I oh, I remember reading that and just sobbing that you could communicate so much through just inviting someone to come sit at the table with you. Wow. You know? 
And it didn't, I mean, it doesn't say anything about what they ate. That didn't matter. <laughs> you know, what mattered is that David said, come, I know everything. I know you're scared and I know you're worried about your future, but I'm going to take care of you. And he said all of that through just eating with him. Many families have special recipes that have been passed down from grandma, uh, or, or maybe you've started uh, some great dish that you want to pass down to your kids, and you've yeah. got this great idea mm -hmm. of a family recipe journal. Tell us no. about this. I love this so much. So recipe journals are really personal to me. My grandmother, Lucia, I have her middle name, um, she was a tremendous cook. She died at an early age. She took all of the recipes with her. And so my mom was like, that's not happening to my children. Mm. And so she's kept a recipe journal as long as I can remember. And then when I was 10, I started keeping my own recipe journal and I still have it. And you can see my handwriting change. You can see the kinds of recipes that I was into change. You know, there was a lot of like chocolate cake and ham and cheddar sandwiches at the front, <laughs> you know. Um, and so the cool thing for me is knowing that at some point when, my, when the Lord calls my mom home, I will get her recipe journal and I will be able to cook from it, run my hands along her handwriting, like connect with her, but then also share it with my children to say, this was your grandmother. This is where she came from. And so that's the idea here is for us to connect across generations mm. through something as simple as a recipe. This is so cool. I love this. Look at this. Is that family recipe journal yes. with prayers and scriptures. Yes. So that is, yes. is uh, woven throughout this too. And I'm yes. looking here, you, you write down how many people it serves, the prep mm -hmm. time, the cook time, the oven temperature, the ingredients and the instructions. Yeah. I mean, this, is, this is fantastic. So I did this with Dayspring and we flipped it a little bit. So the first page is not the recipe. The first page is your memories. Every time you've told me about something that you've made, that's there's right. a memory attached to it. There's a memory attached to it. And that's what makes family recipes special and distinct from, you know, the hundreds of recipes that I've put on my that's right. on the internet, right? This is unlike any other cookbook because yeah. it's not just great recipes. This is memories. Yeah. This is running your hands across uh, maybe your mom's handwriting and all of the the great things that are associated mm -hmm. uh, because of your relationship with yep. them. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.